Listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Um, that song about, well, maybe not that song, but I saw this billboard in near Kansas City of Santa Claus looking really, really sad, mm-hmm. and it said, "Santa Claus only comes once a year." ErectileDysfunction.com. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. I almost turned the vehicle around and went back to take a picture of it. But I was going, like, you know, 75 miles an hour. So. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't want to cause an accident. <laughs> <laughs> so, happenings. January. This is the nature happenings. Christmas trees are installed in several lakes and reservoirs as fish habitat. White-tailed bucks begin drip, dropping antlers. Wild turkeys segregate into flocks of hens, adult gobblers, and juvenile gobblers. Canadian geese begin northward migration from southern Illinois refuges. refugees. In late January, breeding season for beaver and sox, foxes begins. Bald eagles congregate along the large rivers and reservoirs, and rabbits and quail seek protection from the weather and predators in fence rows and thickets. That's the nation. That's the natural happenings. So, yes, you have another natural happening. Yes, I have another natural happening as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Sierra Club's annual stone soup picnic. This is on January 1st, which is a Monday. 2007. It's at Giant, Giant City State Park, which is near Macanda, Illinois, and it's shelter number two at Giant City. It starts at 11 a.m., and people eat around noon. You can bring a dish to pass around and your own drinks. They will be hiking, chatting around the fire, and so on. You can call Barb at 529-4824 for more details. And they've got a nice little explanation of it, so I'll read it to you. Join us in Giant City State Park to celebrate the new year, explore nature, and eat great food. People meet at Shelter 2 
come at 11 to contribute ingredients to the vegetarian or carnivorous soup. Also bring a dish to pass, veggie, salad, bread, dessert or appetizer, and your own drinks. After a potluck lunch around noon, the, uh, the, ooh, after a potluck lunch around noon, lost my place for a minute there, the hardy will take a leisurely hike on one of the park trails. There will be two fires going in the stone shelter to keep you warm. You can bring your frisbee, golf clubs, and so on if you want to do so. They will also be counting the votes for the group XCOM election, so come and join them for the camaraderie and the fun. Once again, that's January 1st, New Year's, at Giant City State Park. And how I understand the story of Stone Soup goes is everybody was starving in this one town, and this traveling peddler showed up in town with a big pot, and he started a pot of water and put a couple stones in it. And basically everybody in town had a little something. Yeah. But there really wasn't any food around. And he was just sitting there stirring this pot of stones, and someone said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making stone soup. But it would be a lot better if I had an onion. You wouldn't just happen to have an extra onion sitting around. And before you know it, you ha- they had this very hearty, very good soup. And literally, you know, everybody who comes brings a handful of something. Yeah. And they all throw it into a big pot. And it just always turns out to be this most wonderful stone soup. <laughs> yeah. So. I've always liked that story. It's a good story. And it can come to life. Yeah. <laughs> it does every year with this year. And the sun came out. Yes. It hasn't been out all week. <laughs> but it came out just for our show. Because <laughs> it, it likes the shine. Don't say just for our show, because I want it to be out when I am the show's done, so I can go outside and enjoy oh, it. Yeah, true, true. It came out in honor of our show, and it there will stay out for the rest of the day. Editorial. Solar cell breaks the 40% efficiency barrier. Before that, there was like 30%. Now I'm only seeing like 15 to 16% actually in the field. But a photovoltaic PV cell achieved a milestone earlier this week with a conversion efficiency of 40.7% efficiency produced by Spectrolab Incorporated, a wholly owned subsidiary of Boeing and funded in part by the U.S. Department of Energy this is not an ad. <laughs> the breakthrough could lead to PV systems with an install cost of $3 per watt and produce electricity at the cost of 8 to $0.10 cents per kilowatt hour, which is the equivalent of regular electricity in our area here. Currently, um, solar energy is about $0.30 cents a kilowatt hour. But the main thing is to see this efficiency make it out into the field. Currently, like I said, I'm only seeing 15 to 16%, but two years ago I was seeing 13 to 14%. So about every year it goes up 1 or 2%. Other editorial, bicycle-powered lights. 120 hardy volunteers took turns powering a billboard display last week in (laughs) Vancouver, British Columbia. The advertisements were sponsored by DDB Vancouver and BC Hydro, BC Hydro is the electric company, to showcase the super energy efficiency of LEDs. 
light-emitting diodes. The 1500 LEDs on the reindeer in the billboard were powered solely by the bicycle's pedal power. BC Hydro claims that only 120 incant bulbs, or I, I, I have to stop saying regular bulbs, oh, yeah. but that's because we are very much getting away from the incandescent bulb. So the old type of incandescent bulbs, it would only lit up 120 of these versus 1,500 <laughs> of the LEDs with the same amount of power. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm actually, I like LEDs, and I just realized recently that my bike light is a uh, incandescent, and that explains why it's been burning so many batteries. Oh, yeah. Any type of portable battery-operated light, I mean, if you get an LED, it will last at least 20 times longer. Yeah, and I can tell, because, you know, the the back battery is on, is LEDs, you know, the backlight, and that, that lasts forever. Like, you know, I haven't changed batteries on it yet, and it's been, you know, probably almost a year. <laughs> and the, the final little editorial. Yes. Sheer genius. <laughs> I think this one's my favorite. You can be at the beach all day long grooving to tunes on your iPod or MP3 player and never run out of electricity wearing this photovoltaic bikini. <laughs> Actually, it's a student project from the Interactive Telecommunications Program at Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. We're sure there must be some drawbacks to a bikini actually made out of solar electric cells, but we're just mesmerized by this shiny, futuristic look. Oh, yes. And you haven't actually seen the picture. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to I actually go. got to see the picture, and it is... I mean, you've seen, like, photovoltaic cells. They're yeah. crystals. And, you know, as you move, it's glass crystals, so it sparkles. <laughs> so. I'll have to check that out online and yeah. maybe someday in person, too. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, do a search for... I wonder if you could just do a search for solar bikini. <laughs> I don't know. There may be so many solar bikinis out there. <laughs> <laughs> so. So let's see. Uh, do we have any other happenings, or should we get to more of the news? If you know of a happening, please email it to us because we want to be the happening guys. And if we don't know about it, you don't know about it. So you better let us know about it. It's winter solstice. Yes. Well, yesterday was actually winter solstice, but uh, today's the first day yeah, of winter. Yeah, today's the first day. Yeah, the, today is going to be slightly longer than yesterday. Sun, sunlight wise and it gets longer yeah that was the shortest day wow yeah. it didn't well, usually I, I get really you know depressed with the short days yeah the weather might have helped to mitigate that a little bit it's oh. strangely not cold <laughs> yeah but is if it's not sunny yeah i mean literally i'm so glad the sun came out today because i've been home all week and not only am my personal batteries getting low with the lack of sun but my system on my house is getting low yeah and so it's charging up now so i'll have well electricity so yeah i actually thought about one of these years i'm going to stay up the entire night and watch the sunrise because uh you know it's important to me because it's a holiday and because i like it when the sun comes back but this year i i tried but i was sick and around around two o'clock i decided to take a nap and woke up at nine <laughs> yeah that's that happens <laughs> And actually, I think the sun did come up today. Well, it comes up every day, but you can yeah. see it. <laughs> so. so let the sun shine in. Oh, yeah. So I, I like this one because it's related to the 
lead standards. So in, in our first bit of news for today, this rocks our socks off. Boston will require new large buildings to meet green building standards. Hooray, Boston! The city is soon expected to require that all new construction projects of 50,000 square feet or more meet green building standards. Projects will be required to follow at least 26 of about 70 suggestions for green design and construction, similar to the U.S. Green Building Council's minimum LEED standards. Buildings will not be required to be LEED certified. Quote, the LEED process can be lengthy, onerous in documentation, and costly, says James W. Hunt III, Boston's Chief Environmental and Energy Services. But the city will have its own certification process and will revise its building code to adhere to the standards. Quote, will be the first city to implement green building requirements, says Hunt. <laughs> uh, not quite. It's nice, it's, it's nice of him to think that, but not quite. Pasadena, California requires much of its private construction to meet green standards. Uh, New Mexico requires compliance for all buildings over 15,000 square feet, and many other locales, including 18 states, have green standards for new public buildings. But a big part Oh, a big pat on the back for Boston nonetheless. Straight to the source, Boston Globe, New York Times, 20th of December, 2006. Weather we're having it, ain't it? Number crunchers say 2006 on track to be the sixth hottest on record. As 2006 limps to a close, it's measuring in as the world's sixth hottest year on record. It's the warmest Britain has seen since wenches were hoisting tankards of grog. Well, er, since records began in 1659. And the third warmest in the U.S. is lower 48 since 1880. Weird weather has gripped the globe this year from rainy Africa to droughty Australia, Australia and China. According to the U.K. Meteorological Office, the ten hottest years on record have been, listen to this, in the last 12 years. But the last 50 years, oh wait, and scientists say it ain't no coinkydink or coincidence. Yes, the globe has warmed and cooled over time, but the last 50 years don't fit natural patterns, and most say human behavior is to blame. Quote, I cannot see how else this can be explained, says UK climate researcher Phil Jones, who noted that changing weather patterns fit climate model forecasts. Adding to the grim vibe, a study published in Science says a sea level rise due to global warming could be 59% higher than previous thought. Oh, waiter, oh, waiter, another pint of grog. Please. Straight to the source. The New York Times, The Guardian, The New Scientist, and BBC News, the 14th and 15th of December 2006. Oh. Yes, unusual weather. Most certainly. And in other news, let's go with another climate-related one. Inuit all along. I knew it all along. <laughs> the Inuit climate petition against the U.S. is rejected. Is climate change a human rights issue? The Inter-American Commission on Human Rights decided to dodge the question. Arctic Inuit submitted a petition to the Commission a year ago accusing the U.S. government of violating Native people's rights to their traditional ways of life by declining to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. The IACHR recently responded with a brief letter that was, quote, evasive and dismissive, says Inuit activist Sheila Waite 
clogged here, who submitted a 175-page petition. In its reply, the Commission claimed that there was insufficient evidence of human rights violations, but Watt Cloutier is keeping up the fight, inviting Commission members to the Arctic for a hearing, making plans for an awareness-raising five-state Arctic Voices tour, and, perhaps the most likely to be effective, being interviewed for Glamour. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, I guess people read Glamour. I don't know if it really will be the most effective. <laughs> Straight to the source. Uh, the New York Times, 16th of December, 2006. That'll be interesting to see which is more effective. You know, going to town hall meetings and such, or getting interviewed by Glamour. In other climate news, Monzer Heatmiser. Europe's holiday spirit shopping disrupted by global warming. In the worst consequence of global warming yet, European retailers are fretting that, fretting that consumers may be too warm to do their holiday shopping. Quote, Christmas business lacks impetus as there is no Christmas spirit in warmer weather. I guess they don't, well, in Europe, we have uh, warmer weather, you know, in lots of areas, and we still got Christmas spirit, even in Arizona. Uh-huh. So, this laments Herbert Pellegray, a German retail association spokesperson. Quote, retail sales are far more weather-related than one might assume. Following an autumn that many believe was the warmest in 500 years, Europe is experiencing a record mild winter, leading to artificial snow at ski resorts and sightings of daisies and butterflies. German asthmatics are complaining of pollen. Swedes are experiencing rare flooding. Among the few reveling in the new holiday spirit are golfers and builders whose pursuits are usually set back by the cold weather. If you look at the trends, then you can see that the 2006 record is a signal of global warming, says Dutch atmospheric researcher Rob Van Dorlin, who added that his hopes for a Red Rider carbon action BB gun are swiftly melting. Straight to the source, Planet Arc Reuters, the 13th of December, 2006. Well, maybe now that it's actually affecting the all-important thing of shopping, <laughs> people will pay attention to climate change. I don't think, I think I'm going shopping because it's warm. Yeah, it, it'll change, it'll, it'll be destabilization just like it is to the climate. Some industries will get bigger, some will get smaller. <laughs> There'll be a lot more camping and, I don't know, today's a good day to go thrift storing. It's like nice and warm and, you know, you don't mind getting in and out of your car. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, the I was going to say the liquor establishment to stay warmer, but I don't think they'll have any problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, oh, this one's, this one's sweet. It's about a holiday gift. Relax. It's just pollution. <laughs> <laughs> EPA relaxes industry pollution reporting rules. In a holiday gift to the industry, <clears throat> excuse me, in a holiday gift to the industry, the U.S. EPA has relaxed the rules on reporting toxic pollution. Under rule amendments approved yesterday, industrial plants will not have to file detailed public toxic release inventory reports unless they spew 2,000 pounds of pollution or more, which is four times the previous limit. 
and they'll face looser requirements for reporting on their most toxic emissions, including lead, mercury, and dioxin. Quote, this rule makes a good program better, said EPA Deputy Administrator Marcus Peacock, with a straight face, no less. EPA officials had considered upping the baseline to 5,000 pounds and were originally going to let companies report every two years instead of annually, but they backed off from those changes after intense criticism. A mere 0.03% of 122,420 comments that were submitted to the EPA about the rule change were in favor of them, according to advocacy group OMB Watch. Senator Frank Lautenberg, who plans to introduce legislation to disallow the rule change, said, quote, the administration's proposed changes are nothing more than a giveaway to corporate polluters at the cost of everyday Americans' health. But what else is new? Straight to the source, the News Journal, uh, Chemical and Engineering News, 1st of December 2006. And that's, you know, it's a gift to the polluters and it's a gift to us because we get free surprise uh, toxins in our stocking. I didn't mean to. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm coughing. I don't actually have a cold. It's just all of the extra toxins. I didn't mean to cough free when you said that. I was just actually at the cough. Yeah. Millionaires beg for change. Oh, please, please. Business execs and military leaders smack down Bush energy policy. Prominent business execs and retired military officers officials are down on their knees begging Congress and the Bush administration to cut U.S. dependence on oil. It doesn't say foreign oil, it just says oil. <laughs> Quote, it's the height of folly for the U.S. to continue on this course. Least we have some major economic or national security problems, said FedEx CEO Frederick W. Smith, co-chair of the Energy Security. God knows we need it. Leadership Council. Along with repetition of the domestic drilling and biofuels will save us refrain, the Council is asking the Feds for a 4% annual increase in fuel economy standards for cars, light trucks, and SUVs. The 16 members, including higher-ups from Dow Chemical, Waste Management, UPS, Goldman Sachs, and Southwest Airlines, will advertise and lobby to nearly have U.S. oil independence, I said oil dependence, oh. by 2030, and says soon-to-be House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, Democrat of Maryland, quote, when prominent CEOs and military leaders get together to advocate an issue as important as energy security, guess what? People listen. Guess we'll find out, won't we? Straight to the source, the Financial Times, Detroit Free Press, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal, all the 13th of December, 2006. Yeah, I think if the news actually gets out about this, that, uh, uh, yeah, that people will, uh, people will listen, because, you know, these are, people have this stereotype in their head of who's discussing environmental issues, and obviously there are other people discussing it as well. And we, let's close this with a really good one. Yes. Let's see, which one did you want to go with? Borno. Borneo to be wild. Yeah. That's what I had in mind for next two. Yeah, that's cool. We think alike. Yeah. So, Borneo.
Borneo to Borneo to be wild. Scientists discover 52 new species on the island of a Borneo. A whole deck of new species. Yes. <laughs> we should come out with one of those decks of cards, you know. The Borneo deck. Yeah. <laughs> we should. It's so good to hear about new species coming when others may be leaving. Uh, so, 52 new species on the island of Borneo. Over the last 17 months, scientists have identified 52 new plant and animal species in the rainforest of Borneo, a Southeast Asian island, the World Wildlife Fund announced this week. The finds include 30 unique species of fish, two tree frog species, three new trees, and a plant that grows only a single large leaf, wow, 16 types of ginger, Wow. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. I think they might be making that one up, but the rest the rest are fair. <laughs> the world's second smallest vertebrate, a fish that's 0.35 inches long. How did they discover that? Yeah, they, they must have really good eyesight. Like, oh, look, what's that in the water? <laughs> or I, I guess if there's a million of those swimming in a school, you oh, yeah. see them better. <laughs> So they discovered that, as well as a catfish with an adhesive belly and it protruding teeth. Ooh. Uh, I guess the legendary wild man remains elusive. I, I don't know. But maybe it's like a Bigfoot legend. <laughs> but no wonder Charles Dickens described Borneo as a, quote, quote, great, wild, untidy, luxuriant hothouse made by nature for herself. Yeah, that's a pretty good description there. That is. That, that Charles Dickens guy should become a writer. <laughs> As always, the diverse habitat is threatened by human activity. Only half of Borneo's original forest cover remains, thanks to deforestation for rubber, palm oil, and paper pulp production. And we had been so optimistic there for a moment. Straight to the source, our Reuters Associated Press, 18th of December, 2006. That still is good news, though, because, you know, even though some of it has been deforested. Some has obviously left if they've got 52 new species hiding out there. And there's a very good chance they'll protect it now, finding 52 <clears throat> new species. So. Yeah. All right. I will read you. This is very interesting because it actually comes from a financial website. 25 gadgets that will save you money and maybe the environment. Making the rounds with all the makings of a, a true techno is a very interesting list. The list is called 25 Gadgets That Actually Save Money, and it was created by Simple Dollar, which mostly they talk about financial talk. It is indeed a cool list of products that one way or another can actually save you money. Going through the list, we have found no more than five that don't have direct environmental benefits. Some of these, like flash drives, might not seem to have environmental benefits, but as they replace inefficient and disposable media, flash drives save money while preventing creation of trash. Other environmental gadgets I've never thought of as environmental, while filtered water bottles, provide clean water without having to purchase hundreds of bottles of water. And a nice electric razor, which saves on both shaving cream and disposable razors. So, it's true. Saving the environment can save money. And now we're hearing about it from an entirely non-environmental blog. Our favorite, flash drives, solar Christmas lights. They actually charge up during the day to run at night. 
Wow. Various useful devices for reducing power use. And of course, that gorgeous Vespa electric scooter <laughs> and caffeine-olicious espresso maker. It's a good day when love of gadgets, love of the environment, and good financial sense all team up. Yes. For more information, go online to thesimpledollar.com. Yes, well, that's exciting. I, I like little gadgets, too, especially when they're ecologically, you know, conserving resources as well. Well, you mean saving you money. Yeah, saving money. You know, it's good to save money and save the earth at the same time. Yeah, save the dual green. Yes, saving green and green. Yeah, I mean, yeah green to this power of this, what? Yeah. Green squared. Green squared. <laughs> there we go. The, save green squared. Yes. So, on this beautiful day, last chance to go out on this, well, hopefully winter will show up sometime because soon people will be complaining how much bugs we have. <laughs> yeah. You know, if there's no cold weather... They'll come back. They'll come back with a vengeance. Yeah. So go we'll out and enjoy bugs. the first day of winter. <laughs> yes, enjoy the first day of winter, as warm as it is. And in honor of the holiday season, you know, I've got a song. I actually have it. I usually play it obsessively for, like, the first few weeks leading up to Christmas and solstice. But uh, this song is called The Christians and the Pagans. And since I know many of both, it's nice to have a song about all of them learning to get along together. So this is by Dar Williams. And I hope you have a happy holiday. And, and let's all get along. Yes, let's all get along. For the holiday, Jane and I were having focus. Now we need a place to stay. And her Christ-loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. He was just fun hang candy canes, all made with red dye numbers. He told his niece this Christmas Eve, I know our life is not your style. She said, Christmas is like solstice, and we miss you, and it's been a while. So the Christians and our pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground of best that they were able. Just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said, sending hope for peace on earth to all their gods and goddesses. Tree plucked in the meal had gone without a hitch till Timmy turned to Amber and said, Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, The pies are burning, and she hit the kitchen. And it was Jane who spoke. She said, It's true because it's not a Christian. But we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share. And you find magic from your God, and we find magic everywhere. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground at best that they were raised. And where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning. Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkins eyes are burning. Tried to do the dishes, her aunt said, really, no, don't bother. Amber's uncle saw how Amber looked like him and like her father. He thought about his brother, how they hadn't spoken in a year. He thought he'd call him up and say it's Christmas, then 
your daughter's tears. He thought our father's sons and brothers saw his own son talk. He sleeps in. Can I be a pagan? Dad said we'll discuss it when they leave. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table. Finding faith and common ground, not the best they were raised. Whoa.